Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam. This is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. This is take three on the intro. I'm going to get it this time. I feel it. I am feeling it. Speaking of feeling it, today's episode is a really, really fun one that I had with Sarah Manderscheid. What in just an awesome awesome person, uh, really good runner. We talked about her running evolution, which was I thought was fascinating, and we talked about her time as a coach with Elevate Running, which she founded, and uh, just a really fun conversation with a great person. Before we get into that, I do want to shout out a new sponsor here on the podcast, Lagoon. Let me tell you, Lagoon Pillows are unbelievable. Well, I'll do the ad later in the inter- later in the podcast, but I just want to say real quick, I am so happy that they're a part of the show. I love my Lagoon pillow. I got the Fox pillow. I'll say the Fox one because you take a short quiz and no matter how basically how your uh, answers play out in your quiz, you get a pillow that's matched to you. Mine is awesome. And I say this as someone who had a pretty expensive pillow prior to getting a Lagoon pillow and I was really happy with it. But then I got my Lagoon pillow and it was just better. There's no, no other way to put it. It's just better, and I'm so glad that I have it. And I'm even more glad that they're a sponsor of this podcast because, as I've always said, the key thing for me is making sure that my sponsors are companies and brands that have products that I use, whether they were sponsoring the show or not. And Lagoon is right up there with any of the podcast sponsors that I've ever had in, in that regard. That is for sure. So, Lagoon, thank you so much for hooking it up. Go check out lagoonsleep.com forward slash rambling to go check out the quiz and their products also you can use code rambling for 15 percent off your first purchase and you might not make another purchase because these things are five-year guaranteed holy cow that is awesome awesome but what about, what about a guarantee for a pillow who cannot get down with that now let's get into the podcast with sarah mandershide all right sarah mandershide welcome to the show hello matt thanks for having me it's my pleasure. I'm so excited to talk with you. This is sec- the second podcast of 2023. I'm really excited. It's been a big podcasting day. This is like my favorite day. So like the new year starts. Get it going. Hopped on with Holly Samuel on her podcast this morning. Had Emily Heller on today. And I'm talking to you. This is like a, just a fantastic day on my end. What's it like for you in your neck of the woods in 2023? <laughs> it's been a great first few days. And I'm really excited to just go into 23 positive, happy, running strong. And hey, we get to talk for the next hour or so. So it's there a, you go. It's a great do- win. Your dog, Kinsey, is really excited too. <laughs> feeling feeling the vibes. She is feeling the vibes. She always knows when I'm recording. I have my own podcast and she's always trying to make an appearance. So um, you might hear her every now and again. <laughs> now we should mention that. All right. So t- tell me about your podcast before we get started. What's the, the elevator pitch? Yeah. Uh, Elevate Your Running Podcast. I have a co-host, Austin Myers. We talk all things running and how to elevate not just your running, but your life. So we have a lot of uh, conversations around running, life, and different processes and different things that uh, can create a stronger athlete and human. And it's really great. We release on Thursdays and um, it's just shy of a year old. And Nice. Um, we're really proud of it. We we have an absolute blast. So I totally get where you're coming from when it comes to creating content and recording. It's a lot of fun. Well, good for you. And we should say that the Elevate podcast is named after your coaching service. <laughs> it is. It is. Yes. Yeah, so I am a running coach and uh, it's Elevate Your Running. And it's it was born during the pandemic. And I've been a life, well, not a lifelong runner, but I started running about 15 years ago. So shortly after college. So you're not and- a teenager. <laughs> You're saying I am not a teenager. No, no so not not lifelong. Right? <laughs> no. Unfortunately, I wish some days, not all days. Um, and I started running uh, shortly after college, and it really became my way to like relieve the stress that that's going on in just life. You know, when you're in college, it's it's pretty easy, right? Or you know, until you get to the real world. So. Started running then, kind of ebbed and flowed throughout, you know, training for 5Ks, 10Ks. I think as most of us know, once we kind of tackle a race distance, we then move to the next level, right? The next distance. So started out with 5Ks, 10Ks, um, and then eventually started running half marathons. My first one was in 2010 in Denver. It was the rock and roll half marathon, and it's the half marathon's my favorite distance. So 
um, started really getting into it then um, for just a few years, took some time off. And then over the last five years, really got back to my roots of running consistently, having a lot of fun with it, um, and then built my coaching business just a few years ago. And it's been an incredible ride. We have an incredible community. I coach athletes all over the country, but we have I have a very central uh, team in Denver and Boulder. Yeah, you do. In fact, Amber, one of the people who coaches with you, was one of the first yeah. ever guests here on the podcast. Oh, no way. I had no idea. She's like oh, episode like Amber's six. Great. Yeah. Oh, that's like, so This might cool. be episode like 500, to put this in perspective. <laughs> I think she was like episode five, six, seven. Yes. Right now there. That's so cool. So I have three other coaches um, who work with the Elevate athletes. Um, Amber is one of them. She lives just outside of Boulder, and we're putting together uh, a running retreat for 2023. So it's a lot of fun to have her uh, part of the team. And she's such an experienced runner. She's an experienced coach. She's done a lot um, in the running distances. So it's been fun to have her part of the team. Yeah, Small world. for sure. For sure. So <laughs> obviously we're going to talk a lot about running. The, yeah. One of the big things that stuck out about the kind of like the mini bio you just gave, especially knowing what you've done <laughs> in the past two years in terms yeah. of like PR Central coming out of COVID. And we're definitely going to talk about that. That's for sure. Before we talk about some coaching stuff and definitely some Boston Marathon stuff is you mentioned that you stepped away from running for a little bit. Yeah. And I know that so many people who listen to this podcast have done the same thing, host included. I definitely have done that a couple of times. So can you just walk us back to that time of what that time of your life when you decided to kind of take a break from running? And if you can kind of share some of the reasons why, kind of without judgment, you know, not saying if it was a mistake or not, but just like in the moment, what were some of the reasons why you decided to? Absolutely. So I moved to Colorado in 2009 and I was already training for a half marathon at that time. And I originally lived in uh, Michigan. So I moved from Michigan to Colorado. And I remember my very first training run. Um, I was not a coach. I was not being coached. So um, you could probably guess that I was running way too fast, right? And running at altitude at 5,200 feet, I was gassed after, you know, just a few miles. And I eventually did run a half marathon in, in 2010. And the state of Colorado was really calling to me. I wanted to do all the things. There's so many cool things here to do. And there were so many awesome fitness classes. I mean, I ultimately just love movement and I love being able to move my body every single day. Um, and even now as an athlete, I run six days a week, um, maybe seven days a week. We might get to that later. Um, I run doubles and I still do strength training. I do resistance. I do yoga. So I love, love, love the movement piece to it. So I really leaned into all the other things I got to do in Colorado that didn't involve running. And also, um, my boyfriend at the time was not a runner, even though we met at a running group. So I feel like you know, hopefully others can relate to that. It's like you kind of surround yourself with the people um, who maybe kind of influence how you live a little bit, or you kind of like have that. So, um, so I stepped away from running for a little bit, and it wasn't until 2017 that I got back to it. Wow, and, so like six or seven years. Yeah, but I was still doing um, Orange Theory Fitness, so I was running a little bit there, or I'd maybe go out occasionally for a run, but it wasn't anything near what right. I'm You're doing still now. an active person. You just weren't yeah. like doing a running training plan or something. Correct. Yeah. Okay. My sister and I would run a half marathon like every summer and we'd like do the classic, like, oh, we're going to run three days a week and our longest long run is going to be 10 miles. <laughs> well, no, this is, this is exciting because I think we, we don't, I haven't, this isn't a topic that comes up a lot. That comes up a lot, but I haven't really dived, dove into this that often. Um, so I'm so glad you brought it up. Thank you uh, yeah. to tell me about your, your history because so many people have those parts of their life. And oftentimes when a break comes up on the podcast, oftentimes it's related to pregnancy, frankly. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you'll have those sort of natural breaks that come with you know the pregnancy process and then the postpartum and things like that. And again, that, that's perfectly natural and that comes up a lot and for good reason. With that said, just the, the deciding to, to step away and then deciding to re-engage is something that um, I think when people decide to leave running and you're a coach, so you know this as well as I do. And I've known, I mean, I've 
I experienced this as well. There is a certain level, especially once you're in, if you're really engaged with it for a while, there is a sense of like almost shame at first when you give up, even if like not give up when you when you decide to stop doing it, because even if you have very good reasons, like it's kind of like you're turning the page to the next chapter of your life. So it's hard not yeah. to like think back like, oh, you know, why did I stop doing that? Or could have I done better before I left? I don't know. Like for me, I've always looked back on those moments. Um, you know, I look back now and be like, well, every time I stepped away, it was like for like ridiculous reasons. So I'm sure you, it sounds like you had really good reasons. Um, and I, think, I don't know. Well, to, to, to go do more active stuff and be like, hey, we're going to try more activities and this and that. Like, I think that's awesome. When I've stepped away, it's been like, well, I just, you know, I just don't want to exercise anymore. Oh. <laughs> it's not the best reason. Um, but it's but it's something that I know I have athletes that I coach that go through that. Like, hey, I've been doing this for two years and I just don't want to do this anymore. And you can tell that there's like, that they have this attachment that they're letting go of, which is completely understandable. But I always try to tell them, like, I want, I'd want rather keep coaching you into perpetuity. With that said, like, there's nothing wrong with this. And at the same time, and you got to see this firsthand with your own running, which is now like just unbelievably awesome, that like at the same time, when you come back to it, even if you step away for a long time, mm-hmm. coming back isn't that big of a deal. Even if you didn't run at all, like things come back fairly quickly if you, you know, kind of work your way into it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm definitely not the fastest runner out there, right? Hold but on, I definitely hold on, have hold some on. talent. You have a, you have a th- 131 half marathon PR and a 315 marathon PR. Those are ridiculously fast times. So let's, that's, that's fantastic. I know where you live well, in Boulder, yeah, Colorado area. Exactly. Yeah, that's a little different. But, you know, for us mere mortals, we're like, oh my God, these times are amazing. You know, there's this joke in Boulder about, you know, your Boulder average. And I joke with everyone that I'm Boulder below average. <laughs> I'm just like trying to hang on. I get, you know, blown off the track. I get blown off the bike path. I mean, it's an incredible place to live. And it's so fun to see the elite athletes. And my coach is also an elite athlete. And I get to see her run. And um, Who's your coach? It's, been, it's been a lot of fun. Her name is Nell Rojas. Oh, of course. Yeah. She lives in Boulder, so I get to train with her on Wednesday mornings, and um, she's such a solid human and just so great, and she knows so much, and um, and then her dad pops by, and you know Rick coaches Nell, and it's been an incredible change, and it was a change that I made this year, and I've been running you know, my strongest sense, um, since making that change, so it's been fun. I'll say this. I know about five people who are coached by Nell. She's awesome. And they all rave about her. Again, yeah. that's not easy to do. People, Number Ross is trying to be the best runner in the world. So she's yeah. not just like, I'm coaching and that's it. Even that is is hard. Yeah. With that said, she's like, I want to be the best athlete in the world. And she's a hyper-dedicated coach. In fact, I actually took her idea of the, um, the office hours. And I, oh, and I yeah. started doing that about five months ago with my athletes. Nice. I love it. Would you like to share a little bit more? Because I I don't know all the details about it. <laughs> oh, okay, no. So I think I think I th- I'm trying to remember who it was that said that Nell will occasionally do like office hours where like she opens up time where people can like have phone calls with her. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm like, why don't I do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I I hate Athlete email. Calls. I hate yeah. email so much. I love I so much prefer as anyone who's ever listened to this podcast probably knows. I much prefer just talking than writing an email. So I'm like. This, what what am I doing? Why didn't I think of this? So I just set up like a Calendly account. Yeah. Right. So for like, yeah. I set it up for like one day a week. It was traditionally Wednesdays. So I'm moving it to Friday starting this year. Um, but so from like noon to two thirty, when I have to like leave to pick up my kids at school, I have it like in fifteen minute segments. People can sign yeah. up for a coaching call. Like, and I don't care. They can be a topic. They can be a serious topic. There can be no agenda at all. I don't care. Like if you yeah. want to talk, let's talk. And yeah. um, it's been fun. I really, I've really enjoyed it, but I got that from Nell. Like she's crushing that. it like on every level. She's totally crushing it on every level. And she's such a great mentor to have. And she is a very strong, powerful female and she is a strong runner. It's so fun to see her running marathon pace, which is ridiculously fast. And, um, and you know, she's just such a great human. All right. We could keep talking about Noah Haas and I'd be fine doing it for the rest of the podcast. With that said, that wouldn't be fair to you. So let's talk about when you decide to re-engage with running around 2017. K 
can you let me know like what was some of the impetus behind that and if there were certain goals that kind of fed into that yeah i was going through um, a transition in life going through a new season and you know originally how i got into running was to relieve you know, stress from having this eight to five job. And I was sitting at, you know, from eight to five and I'm a person who loves to move. And, um, I worked in financial services marketing too. So like a little more high stress than, you know, a typical like office job. And, um, so I was going through another transition in my life and, um, a relationship was ending. And, um, so I needed, and, you know, needed to end that relationship. I needed to move and there was a lot going on. So I turned to running and I started running. And at the time, um, my dog Kenzie, who's now six and a half, she was, um, just over a year. So she would join me on some runs, but I'd go out there and relieve some stress. And I signed up for a 5k within a few months and I placed second or third female. And I thought, okay, this is enough to like, Let's just keep doing this. So, um, so I trained for a few more half marathons and then, um, decided once I got my half marathon time down to about, I want to say it was about 138 and I was wearing like trainers, <laughs> not race shoes. And it was in Vancouver, BC with my, with my sister, the Lululemon, uh, Seaweeds half marathon in 2017, 2018, we ran both years, but 2018 and decided it was time to make the move to the marathon. (laughs) And um, I was going to run my first marathon and I went to a running camp in 2019. And so cut to a whole year went by and then I decided actually more life things happened. Man, you're just doubling down. You went right (laughs) from like, I'm getting back into running to go into running camps, which is like, was it like local? Like, I don't, I don't, I know there are adult running camps, but like, I don't know many people who've gone to them. Yeah. So it was in Boone, North Carolina. And I was all in on running and, um, and I still am. And people say that about me anytime they meet me or they see me on the track working out or, you know, I'm consistent as it gets. I'm all in. I love it. And, um, and I was actually going through another transition at that point in my life. And I decided to quit my job of 14 years in financial services marketing and do something different. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to help people. Eventually, that is how Elevate Your Running was born. Um, So I took the summer of 2019 off from working completely, and I went to this running camp. And one of the campers suggested a podcast that I listened to, and Nell was was the guest on the podcast. And I didn't know Nell. And, um, and I didn't know of her, this was 2019. And I don't think many people knew of her. She ran her first marathon in 2018. So this is late summer of 2019. I signed up for CIM. I actually hired Nell. Nell and I partnered together for my first marathon. So was that, was that the Zap Fitness Camp? It is. Yeah. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So fun. It was great. And I was just living my best life that summer. So, um, it was, you know, three day or four days, three nights, all things running, speakers. It was great. Um, still connected with some of the uh, the campers to this day, which is great. And was it Ter- Terry Lynn Adams? Did she, was she there that week? She was. And that's yeah. who I found. Yeah, that's how I found out about it. And she's so sweet and so great. Yeah. I know people are like, how did Matt guess that? I only know one person who's going <laughs> to that camp. So that wasn't like going, scrolling through a Rolodex of a bunch of people. <laughs> oh my gosh, small world. I love it. Yeah, it was so much fun. And it was actually during that time, some of the um, some of the coaches said, you should do this in Boulder. And I thought, oh, I don't know. I mean, I had an event planning background. I had marketing background. But I wasn't really sure about that. And then um, this is the, now the fall of 2019. And I decided, oh, let's do that. Let's put some, on, some in-person events together for the summer of 2020. <laughs> And what could go wrong? wrong? This this is going to be great. Um, So it was actually right when the pandemic hit and everything was shutting down. Everything was canceling. I decided to get like officially certified to be a running coach. And then that's how kind of the rest is history. I coach uh, quite a few athletes all over the country. We have an incredible community who 
support each other through social media, support each other in person. We do a lot of events all over the country, which is a lot of fun. We'll be in Houston here in a few weeks and then Boston. Um, and then I think the third, well, the third might be at a running retreat in St. George, Utah in June. And then the fourth might be, um, at the Emma Coburn 5k in Crested Butte. Um, You're wearing the sweatshirt right now. I know. I know. I'm always wearing the sweatshirt. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's new balance, obviously. And, um, it's such a great, one, it's a great race. It's a great event. It's such a party and um, it's fun to represent it. So, yeah. There you go. All right. So as you became more ingrained in running, just from a professional yeah. standpoint, which is really exciting, something that I can certainly relate to during that time, actually the first day of my podcasting career as a as a full-time podcaster. So I for years I did it as like yeah. a part-time job, which was like a part-time pay with full-time hours kind of deal uh, in conjunction with my fundraising it. job. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, any any moment of the day, right? Um, including very, very late nights and every lunch break. But um, my first day, like, all right, this is the day. I'm finally, this is my full-time job. Obviously I was coaching too, but like my full-time job was a podcaster. That first day was the first day of COVID lockdown at my kid's school. So I actually was my first day being a teacher instead of being a professional podcaster. So I was actually like doing all the home-based schooling for my kids on what was supposed to be my first day as a full-time podcaster. So that I actually wild. had less time to do the podcast because before, like if an email came through, I would answer the email during the day because you know, I'm just sitting yeah. at my computer and you know, it's like, oh, I have two, I have two windows open. I can just re respond to an email. It's no big deal. Um, and then every lunch break I would record. All of a sudden, yeah. lunch breaks are now, it's like, I'm making grilled cheeses at lunch <laughs> now, baby. I'm not, I'm not recording any podcasts. So it was a, a totally different experience. But with that said, going back to you, thankfully, um, <laughs> you had, um, you, you, you're picking up the business, you're doing some awesome stuff, you're launching things, this is really exciting. And at the same time, you're obviously laying the groundwork from a fitness perspective to all of a sudden PR everything in 2021 mm -hmm. and then re-PR everything in 2022. <laughs> so can you just yeah. walk me through the fitness process that you were using, basically starting from around that time, leading into the next two years that laid the foundation for these PRs to happen? Because we all know that once you reach a certain level of fitness, PRs can be very hard to come by and it, it takes a lot of work. Yeah, it definitely does. And I feel like I'm right there-ish. But I started you know, working with a coach the fall of 2019 and that made a huge difference. So I ran CIM. Um, I was running six days a week and doing strength and I ran a 325. And I thought, oh, okay, this is... I don't actually know if I want to run again, but okay. <laughs> and um, I Boston qualified, took some time off after that, actually. So I went in, um, didn't run a whole lot, but it, five weeks later, went into Houston, PR'd Houston um, by like four minutes. I think I ran a 135 or something, and, um, and that felt really good. And at that point, I was really tired of racing. I'd raced quite a bit in the fall. And then the pandemic hit, right? So the summer of 2020, it was like, let's just go out there, run, get outside, have fun. And ultimately, you know, ended up working with a different coach starting in the summer of 2020, even though races were still canceled, right? Um, there was really nothing to train for, but I loved the schedule. I loved the consistency. I loved the variety of workouts. I loved not having to write it myself. I loved, you know, having that like someone to talk to about it. And I feel like ultimately it's the consistency piece to it. I say all the time that one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons I have a coach is to hold myself back. So these last like two weeks, I've been sick with a cold and uh, Nell's been out of town and I've been running. And uh, she commented last night, she's like, you really should have rested. And I'm like, but I felt, you know, like, okay enough to run, right? And um, it was really only when I got COVID this summer that that took me out for five days and I like didn't even want to think about running. But um, so I would say the consistency is huge. Over the last six months, I've worked a lot on mental strength. I think that is a huge component to racing strong because 
it's going to get tough for everyone, right? It's just a matter of like, at what point in the race is it going to get tough? And how do you shift your mindset into something that's positive to have you like flow through that versus getting stuck behind like hitting a wall and then it's just like, it's over, right? Um, So those are kind of my two biggest things, but, you know, using a coach has been huge, huge, huge. And it's been so much fun over the last uh, two years plus and um, pairing every distance, not every race though. So sometimes I run, I race, you know, about seven or eight races a year. And this year I um, PR'd at Houston January 21. And then I went into grandma's this June thinking, Ugh, I have a sub 90 in the, in the bag. This is going to be great. Oh no. It was, it was a terrible run. <laughs> it was terrible. And I think every single time I kind of up the ante, right? Every single time you get a little bit faster, it doesn't matter if you're running a 90 minute half or you're running a two hour half or you're running a 75 minute half, whatever it is. Like it's still is what your level is, right? It's your fitness level. And it can get really scary to think, am I capable of doing this next time? And am I going to be able to do this next time? And, and all the things, but I will say, gosh, over the last few months, like the workouts I've been given have been so intentional and it really is getting me so ready to have a, uh, an incredibly strong 23. And I'm really excited. All right, everybody, I want to take a quick break and give a shout out to Lagoon. That's right, Lagoon Sleep. You heard me in the intro talking about their pillows. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. This year, I'm really trying to take better care of myself, both before and after my runs. And one of the areas that I'm really focusing on is sleep. And not just about the time you the time you spend in bed, obviously that's important, but also making sure you have quality and not just quantity. And that's a big thing, right? We talk about all the time with training, Quantity and quality, same thing with sleep. And part of that is your pillow. I have the Fox pillow. That was the one that I got after taking the online quiz, which was really interesting to take. You, you figure out like, what, what exactly do I need? What do I need my pillow for? How do I sleep? What are my preferences? And it makes a big difference. And this is a pillow I've had for over a month now. It's coincided with my biggest 30 days of training that I've ever had. And I feel really, really good. And I know a big reason for that is because of how I'm sleeping and how I'm sleeping is affected by my pillow and things are just going so well for me. Waking up from my morning runs has never felt better. I'm refreshed. I'm pain-free in large part thanks to Lagoon Pillow. So go to lagoonsleep.com. That's L-A-G-O-O-N sleep.com forward slash rambling. Take their awesome two-minute sleep quiz to find your match and then use code rambling for 15% off your first purchase today. That is awesome. Let's talk about the mental side here. Um, yeah. Obviously, not many people focus on the mental side unless they can point to a moment or moments that didn't go the way they wanted them to, especially if they can look back and say, all right, I don't know exactly what happened here, but I know that X, Y, Z occurred and I'm better than that or I can do better than that. So I want to you know, have someone... Uh, to work with to improve upon this point. Same reason you'd hire someone for to be a running coach or a personal trainer or what have you. So can you look back on certain moments or, or a moment in particular where you say, you know, this was an example of what I needed to work on or where I was, you know, maybe a little weaker in this area than I wanted to be? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I was an incredibly strong athlete on the mental side for many years. I think I just had a lot of confidence. It's like when you can go in and start crushing races, there's a lot of confidence that comes with that. I think once you start playing big, shooting your shot and you hit the wall, it is a really hard feeling to get over, right? It's a really tough feeling to get over. So I know I definitely hit, <coughs> excuse me, um, hit a few walls in <laughs> racing in 21. And that was an immediate, like I pulled back and even in workouts, like when I first started with Nell this summer, she's like, it feels like you're just kind of jogging out there on the track. It doesn't feel like you're actually like racing. And I was kind of afraid of, you know, feeling the pain or feeling, you know, like I'm going to hit a wall in a workout or a race. Was she seeing um, you in person or was this like looking at your splits? 
Yeah. So she was seeing, so she coaches in person for her, for her Boulder athletes, um, oh. which is really great. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I get to do that once a week with her. Um, but, you know, looking back, I would say a race that really sticks out was the Boston Marathon of 2021. Um, I went into that race with a race plan that was uh, aggressive. And when you go in for anyone that's run Boston or for anyone that's that knows about the Boston course, you know that like the first half, you get to play it a little bit on the safer side. So you have enough energy to conquer the hills in the second half, right? Well, I mean, I went out conservatively in the first four miles, but it was still like too fast. Like my race. I, actually, like I just get sort of the benefit of the doubt here. She is doing air quotes. No one's seeing her do the air quotes when she <laughs> says conservative. <Yeah. laughs> conservative air quotes. Um, and I hit a wall at like mile 10 and it was like a 30 second like, cool. I just got pulled back and I thought, okay, well, maybe this is like just a mile. You know how when you run the marathon, it's like you have these miles that are harder, whatever. And then I didn't even know you could do this, but I hit a second wall at 13 and it was a struggle all the way through the second half of that race. And, um, and it was definitely, you know, thinking back, I know like there was so much negative self-talk. And at the same time, I remember so many people, I mean, the, the, the route is just crowded with people, right? And there were so many people yelling at me saying like, you look so strong. And it's like, and I look back on videos and it's like, oh my gosh, I, I had a kick at the end. Like I do look really strong, but in my mind, I was so not even close to being strong. So that one definitely sticks out to me. And I think, and know that it's really important as an athlete that you work on it during training runs and that you practice it during, um, during races for sure, but that you also have a coach that helps you with it because that's a huge piece to it as well. Um, I brought in a speaker in December to speak to all of my athletes. He's a sports psychologist in Denver. Um, Dr. Ross, not sure if you know him, he's incredible. And he works with elite athletes all over the country and amateur athletes and went through and talked through all the things that we go through as athletes and how ultimately at the end of the day, we're all very much the same when it comes to like our struggles and how we see ourselves in the comparison trap and then how you can kind of unwind that and flow through it to be a stronger athlete. So when you look back on that Boston experience, what, what would you change or, you know, how, how would you handle it now? Or where do you think that like, you know, you mentioned like the finishing kick and you, know, you had these hitting the wall moments, which would you, once you finish the story, it sounded like it was maybe more mental than a physical wall. Or even if it was physical, that it was something that could have been overcome with some different mental reframing or what have you. But if you could yeah. go back, what would you do differently or just mentally and emotionally, how would you handle it? Yeah. I mean, I think I was, Definitely. So it was my second marathon ever. My first one was CIM 2019. And then I was running Boston 21. So there was about 22 months apart. And I got to the start line and I was incredibly nervous. And we had a goal of 310. And um, I still haven't run a 310 marathon. And, and, um, and it was overwhelming, right? it felt like I had never run a marathon before because I had only had one experience and it was such a long time ago. And here I was at Boston and there was so much hype around it. And I was already a coach. And I think all of us coaches can kind of relate that there is like a little bit of added pressure, or at least I feel added pressure I definitely to perform well. I yeah. definitely feel it. Yeah. For sure. So there's all of that. And it was my first Boston and I really wanted to do well. And so there's that piece to it. And I think you know, it definitely was a little bit on the warmer side. It was humid. So there was like a physical piece to it. Like looking back on all the photos, I was definitely like glowing and like definitely humid, sweating, all the things. But I think like, you know, in the second half, if I had the tools that I have now, it probably would have been a different situation of like telling myself that I'm strong, that I'm fit, that I'm capable, that I've done this before, even though I haven't, you know, it's like you have to trick your mind and believing what you needed to believe. Um, but it's okay because it was a stepping stone in my career, in my running career. It was still an incredible race. 
I mean, I still PR'd by like 76 seconds or something. And, um, it, you know, Boston's just so special. So I'm excited-ish to go back in um, in April. And still PR by 76 seconds. That's funny. <laughs> well, hey, well, I mean, you know, you learn from it and it's good for yeah. you for being like, hey, this is something that I can improve upon and let's take steps to – to do just that, um, yeah, it is, it is interesting. Like the the mind body connection with some of this stuff, um, you know, it's it's like you want to just be like, no, like there is no connection. Like I just need to power through. But then that's also like you hear like, well, if you do that, is it's so hard to figure out the right place to land on like how to handle in right. in race moments, right? Yeah, to be like, like how... wait, is this like is this is this a false fatigue? Is this a real thing? <laughs> Do I just need to power through or do I need to like, hey, don't be an idiot. Take a step back. I I swear to God, this is one of those topics, just like not as a coach trying to help other people, just trying to manage my own internal monologue. That's like yeah. the more I know, the less the more confused I am. Like, I swear <laughs> to God, I'm worse at this now than I was like when I was younger. <laughs> there's so much information. There's so many things that we like overthink as athletes. Right. I mean, I think, you know, running up the hills, I remember thinking like, Oh my God, I didn't run any hills in training. This sucks. And like, um, you know, after you get up, once you get up heartbreak, you know, I was thinking it was like clear downhill and it's not. And that was like very like overwhelming for me to like, think to like, I thought I know, I thought I knew what the course was going to be like, and then it was totally different and I was so uncomfortable. And, and that was something too. the summer of 21, I was having so much fun. I was building my coaching business. I was running with people every single day. I have a flexible schedule. So I was creating all of these best case scenarios for every single run. And about six weeks before my Boston, my coach actually said like, Hey, we need to get you uncomfortable because this race isn't going to be comfortable. And like, you've been having like a party all summer and you've been like Boston training and, and doing all the things, but like, you haven't really gotten uncomfortable. So we tried to work on it with, um, at the time I listened to music during workouts. Um, so we decided not to listen to music when I would do, uh, workouts or long runs that didn't last long. Um, but now I actually don't listen to music and that kind of came about in a different way. But, um, and we, I don't like, I'm kind of a picky runner. I don't like running at night a lot of times. So, or at least workouts. So we would structure my workouts at night or in different parts of the city that I didn't love, um, that were still safe, but that I didn't love. So, um, try to create some sort of like uncomfortable, you know, sides to it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and here you are, you know, PR city <laughs> over and over again. So, you know, you yeah. had two great years uh, built yeah. upon the foundation of, of, of all this consistent work and the strength work and all of that. Uh, when you look forward to 2023, you sound like a very organized person who's yeah. able to plan things out uh, pretty well. W what races do you have on your calendar? What are some of the goals that you hope to achieve it being, you know, New Year's resolution season and all? Yeah, I love that. Um, so my next race is coming up. It's in Houston, January 15th, and I'm running the half. Uh, my current PR is a 131.01, and I'm looking to absolutely crush a 90-minute uh, time. And I say crush because I'm running 650 pace at altitude, like, good, like, consistently. So if I'm going down to sea level – like the coach in me is like, oh, okay, I know how this should translate. So that feels good. But at the end of the day, you never really know how you're going to show up, right? Like weather plays a factor, body plays a factor, fatigue, if you're sick. I mean, there's so many different things that need to come together to have a perfect race. Um, but I'm really excited to be there because I'll have athletes across the country uh, heading down there to run the half in the full. So we are doing like our shakeout run together. We're having dinner together. And then I'm going to the hotel room and like 
shutting things down so I can well, hopefully it's gonna be as cool as it was back in 2020 that morning it was like 41 degrees i know it was windy in the city that morning but it was like it yeah. was like 41 degrees which is like just like perfect temperature ran- especially down there which like that never happens yeah i ran it in 2020 and it was it was kind of windy wasn't it was it, it was yeah. yeah and then last year i was I down there that in- that weekend too oh yeah yeah and it can be windy downtown but it was like right. i can remember more wind like on the back end of the race. I remember walking out of my hotel that morning and getting slapped in the face by the wind. Be like, where did this come from? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I don't know if you ever do this, but anytime I'm running into the wind for a considerable amount of time, I like scream. I remember like screaming during the race, like how frustrating it was. Um, but I didn't, it's I didn't such run a good course. Day. I was there for oh. media stuff. I, <laughs> I can't speak to that. Oh my gosh, you're so lucky. Last year was a great year too. It was like um, in the high 30s, sunny, um, not that windy. Um, We were actually concerned that it was going to be too cold, but it ended up being really, really great racing weather. Um, So I'm hoping this year it's the same. So we'll see. You know, my goal is to see how far under 90 minutes I can go. I love the half marathon distance. It's probably the one distance that I have a really good handle on like how to race it and how it should feel and when I can start to push and then give my kick. Um, I'm still working on that in the marathon, but then, um, I have the Boston marathon coming up on April 17th. So this will be my second, uh, Boston that I'm attending. It's probably going to be my last, um, after I ran Chicago, um, in the fall of 21, I realized how much I really do love a flat and fast course, and Boston is neither. So, <laughs> um, and this will be your first yeah. spring Boston, right? Because wasn't yes. twenty one in the fall? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, do you have any tips on? No. Okay, it's no, just no. hard. I know. I, right? I, I have plenty of <laughs> tips. I have plenty of tips. Um, and what everyone will tell you, and it's true, and you know this as well as yeah. anybody, um, is that when you know spring Boston. Just be prepared for any any temperature, any weather situation. Yeah, I know. Right? I, I mean, know. like, literally, I, I remember this. I was, you know, it was a couple of years ago. It wasn't like the 2018 year, which was nuts. And the year after that, it was like, you know, it's like, it really depends. Like, even what corral you're in can change the weather. Right? Yeah, Because it for was sure. in 2019. I think it was 2019. It must have been because 2020 was canceled. So in 2019, yeah. for the first wave, it was like wet it was raining all morning, like for people getting off the bus, going into like the, into Hopkinton, it was wet and people were like, oh my God, yeah. it's going like 2018 again, like this sucks. So like the first wave of people, you can go back to like the elite starting video, like it's wet, it's raining, it's raining, it's raining still coming down, like in sprinkles right at the start. But for like the fourth and fifth wave, which I had a runner in actually from Houston, who he was used to running in the heat, it got to like 78 degrees. <laughs> oh it, the, the temperature went up like 40 degrees during the course of the race or something like that. So it was like, it was like, not only was like, you can't predict the weather, like it literally was a different race. Yeah. Wave four or whatever than it was for people in the first wave. And it was like, this person's like, I remember like the pictures afterwards, like so many people finished the race with like drastic sunburns because they're like so sunscreen. Sad. It's supposed to rain all over, all day. And yeah. all of a sudden it's like hot. And yes. it was like a completely different experience. So you basically just have to be like, again, prepared. For I think anything. there's plenty of people who need to run on treadmills to get ready for, for Boston because yeah. Especially, like, I've, I have a runner who lives down in Houston, and she's great, and she qualified for Boston. She's super excited. It's like, there's no hills where she lives. There's zero yeah. hills. So it's like, we're going to be doing a lot of treadmill stuff. Like, it sucks, but it's the way it goes, you know? Um, but, like, embrace, uh, embrace like, really awkward weather. Kind of like, oh, David Goggins style. Like, the crazier it is outside, the more likely you should be running outside to get ready for it. Just so, like, even if it's not even a physical reaction, just mentally and emotionally, you're like, I run in crazy weather all the time now. It's just what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And having that mindset, right. And like tricking your mind that like, this is normal. This is okay. In the 2021 year, it was kind of similar. So I was in wave three. I think there were only four waves that year. Maybe there's only four waves every year, but I know it was like a condensed field and a smaller field size than 21. And I had, my coach was actually running in the first wave, I think first or second wave. 
And um, and he was like, after he finished, he's like, gosh, you know, at mile 24, when the sun came out, that was brutal for the last two, two and a half miles. And I was like, yeah, I was at mile 13 when the sun came out. <laughs> brutal for the last brutal. half. Yeah. So it, right. it it can be very different. And um and that's, you know, one of the things about Boston which makes it special and fun and you know, unique and and all the things. Yeah, and this is the thing about all these huge majors, especially when you look at New York and Boston, is like managing your energy that morning. You're yeah. up so early, you're up at the start line so early. Yeah. And you just have to basically be like Try to take like a catatonic view of things so that you're not like burning through energy before the race even starts because you're so hyped up, you're excited, and, and it can oh, all yeah. come in a good place of just being like, oh, there's here's people I know, and we're so happy to be here, and it's a joyous occasion. Like, why wouldn't you be happy and excited? But like, you almost have to like put yourself in like a like almost like a not standoffish <clears throat> mindset, but for a lot of people, for the vast yeah. majority of people, you can lose so much energy the morning of those races just by being in this awesome community that like you start the race all of a sudden it's like for a basketball player like goes too hard in lamp lines like the the game starts and you're like uh oh <laughs> i think i left i think i left my energy at the seven minute mark of pregame <laughs> yeah we don't want that at boston for sure or any race and um my sports psychologist talked about boston as just like think of it as like another event it's another training run and just try and like calm yourself you don't want your heart rate to get too high at the start, right? Because it's not going to calm down. And we all know what happens, especially running 26.2 miles. So, um, so think of it that way. And, you know, it gets to be a celebration. And, you know, I was having a party at Chicago. I felt so good. I felt so fit. And the goal for Chicago this fall was like just to run a really strong race because my last few marathons, I was having trouble in the last 10K. And, that was the goal. I ran a 315. And when Nell saw the videos of me, like I was throwing my hands up in the air, I was like screaming and like high-fiving people. She's like, yeah, we need to calm that down. So we need to like, let's just, you know, slow your roll a little bit, contain it and celebrate after. That's funny. Not well, it worked, right? Baby steps. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so many people can relate to the whole idea of like, yeah, marathon goes great to the last 10 K. What do you think was the difference in that race that you allowed you to, to have a 10 K that, you know, more closely resembled your first 10 K? Oh yeah. So for Chicago, it was amazing. I had an incredible build. So what we discovered in my previous training cycles, um, and it was using a different coach was that I wasn't stressing my body any differently in any of those training cycles. I was just doing the exact same thing over again. And my long run would get up to like 18 miles. And if you're including goal pace, my goal pace is around 720 right now, 710. So like, you know, you can get high mileage in three hours, right? You can get 20, 21, 22. So the, for the Chicago cycle, it was incredible. Um, I did a 12-week training cycle. Um, one week was set aside for COVID. And we went up and I hit five weeks above 70 miles, which was a huge PR for me, wow. um, from weekly mileage. I felt great. Um, I had one rest day on Thursday and I had two days of double. So I had eight runs. We took the long run and we took it all the way up to 22. I had five long runs at 20, 21 or 22 miles. Only one was easy. The other four had like either goal pace or as a progression. So the mental side was there. I could see and feel like, okay, I'm crushing these long runs. Um, and then when I got to the start at the, of the race at Chicago, I remember thinking like, this feels like another training run because how she built a lot of my workouts and how she built a lot of my long runs was on the same pace swing that she used for my progression into the marathon. So we started at like, 7.30, pace for Chicago. And I went up to 7.10, um, maybe 7.08, I think was the fastest until mile 25. And then I hit the gas and ran a 6.10 mile, which I don't even know Good how that God. happened. And I'm never going to be able to do that. Well, I should say never, but like I, we're still like flabbergasted that that even happened. But it, my mom has like this great video. I'm just like coming, like shooting down the, the, 
finish line and it was so cool. But, um, but we just practiced it a lot in training. And I think that's a huge piece to the confidence on race day of like, I've been running this marathon pace for 12 weeks. This is the same progression I've done on most of my long runs. I've done, you know, Nell and her dad are like known for like the bookend goal pace. So I start every Wednesday with like a mile at goal pace. I do the workout and it's a mile at goal pace, hmm. but we start at like the low end. So 740 and then I, you know, end at like 710. And towards the end of that cycle, I was like getting closer to seven minutes a mile. And like, you know, you can just feel the confidence brewing. So I think that's been a huge game changer and we're going to, you know, up level for Boston again. And Hopefully I don't get injured. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not going on wood for you. Yeah, well, that's 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 interesting to know. I, I really appreciate you diving into that because I know a lot of people, you know, not struggle with it, but, you know, the, everyone kind of goes through that. And, you know, for the vast majority of people, the last 10K is, is tough. By vast majority of people, I'm referring to me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, so. it can be really tough. And I think, like, if you are, you know, slightly falling apart or whatever, like, I've been there too. And if you get in that situation, which any of us can get into, right? Um, it's, I just take it mile by mile at that point. And I try and like, the other saying that I usually tell myself is like, once you start to compromise with yourself, it's all over. So like, don't even think about walking. Don't even think about stopping at the water table. Like just keep going and try and limit the damage as much as you can. There you go. All right. Yeah. So you got a lot of stuff going on for Boston. What are you most excited about? What are some of the things that are really got you and uh, the Elevate team pretty amped up? I mean, we're just excited to be there as a team. Um, there's so many. I mean, there's five or six of us um, going that, at least for right now, and we're just so excited to be there. It's going to be such a great celebration. You know, we're all kind of very similar runners, so we're really excited to be in maybe similar, maybe we're in the same wave and we're starting together and and all of that. Um, we're also going to be doing most of our long runs together as a team. Um, in Boulder, we're going to be incorporating a lot of hills and hill workouts. Um, so we're really excited for that too. We're going to run with joy. We're going to run with happiness, gratitude, and strength on those Newton Hills for sure. We're going to get love everyone so, ready. There you go. So when you do your long runs as a group how do you guys segment because i'm assuming that like maybe you and some of the coaches are around the same speed i know amber and you are probably pretty must be pretty close um I, just because i know i follow amber so i did yeah. see what she's <laughs> able to do and she's been so consistent over so many years um yeah. so but obviously not everyone's gonna be at the same paces so how do you guys make that work from a long run perspective where people can get strung out you know pretty easily especially if it's a, a much longer effort yeah absolutely so Usually the group is big enough where we have, if we have more than one coach attending, that's great. And then we kind of like segment out like, Hey, stick with this pace. We'll stick with this pace. But you know, I'm pretty particular if I have workouts, it's like, I want to be able to hit my workout and hit my pace. What's nice about Boston is that a lot of us are very similar runners. We have one that's like shooting for sub three, but most of us are right in that like 310, 315 window, so we can kind of stay together for the most part. Um, but usually the long runs have enough athletes at them so we can pair at least everyone off. So no one's running solo because I never want anyone to run solo unless they want to do that. But that's the part of like coming to a group run, right? It's like you get to run with others. Um and usually the routes can be, you know, the Boulder Res is a great route because it's a circle. So sometimes we'll like loop back. So I might do like two circles or two loops, which is a little over 10 miles. Let's say we're doing a 20 mile long run. I'll turn around and then run in the opposite direction. And then I can still see everyone mm -hmm. and high five and cheer and all of that. But um, if I'm training and leading a group run, all of my athletes know that I get very focused in on my training. <laughs> So do you incorporate trail running at all? I know that can mean a wide variety of things between like, you know, semi dirt roads to something that's very yeah. technical and up and down and kind of roller coastery in, in topography. You know, I know, you know, Boulder's known for a whole bevy of endurance sports, not just running. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, you know, kind of like, you know, athlete central in a lot of ways. Um, but there's also a ton of trail opportunities. So how do you incorporate that in your training, if at all? 
Well, Matt, I don't. <laughs> I should. Um, but anyone who knows me in real life knows that I'm a klutz. And um, I've fallen on Denver uneven sidewalks too many times to count. I have fallen on just like gravel. I have completely eaten roads. it on the sidewalk. <laughs> Like it's, it was like three months awful. ago. It was right in front of like a nineteen year old and his like three year old like little sister. It was like in like they're like in the front yard and there was like oh there was like, like pavement stones. So it's like three by three foot squares. Yes. Or, like a tree root and kind of push them up a little bit. And it was like up by like a half an inch. I don't know how I clipped it, but I face first, oh. palms down, ate it. It's it was, so um, tough. It was an out and back run. I think that was like the turnaround point. I was like nowhere near where I needed to finish. Oh, usually, I mean, for me, knock on wood, like it usually happens like right before, you know, I get to my car or something. Um, Funny. So, you know, the Elevate team is so strong. We're so, um, we just support each other and lift each other high. So I fell, it was like four weeks before Boston on on uneven sidewalks in Denver. And I gashed my knee pretty, pretty good and bruised and all the things. So there was actually a group run the next day. And one of the athletes brought bubble wrap for me. And because I <laughs> joked on Strava, I was like, can someone please put me in bubble wrap until this race is over? And so he brought bubble wrap. And we That's actually, funny. you know, the athletes wrapped me in bubble wrap. There is a video on Instagram. That's awesome. Um, go back to September of 21. And um, most recently I was running with one of the elevate athletes and just completely hit a rock and went face down so hard. And afterwards, I mean, I was pretty banged up and he's, um, a PT. So he was like, you know, wrapping my hands and my knees. And, you know, once I like calmed down, he's like, Sarah, that was the hardest fall I have ever seen. Oh God. <laughs> I know. It was pretty bad. So I I try to stay off trails just for me personally. I know the benefits of it. And I think maybe once I get out of like prime racing, I'll tackle trails because I do love it. But gosh, I feel like I'm like. No, I hear you. I, I like if I'm near a race, I don't go anywhere near trails. I like no. I wear basketball ankle braces on trails i'm not kidding <laughs> like, like the bra- the braces i wore when i played college basketball i repurchased them a year and a half ago and i wear them i, I, I cannot it. run trails without them because if yeah. i do i'm spraining one if not both of my ankles right and i, I have can't... such bad ankles like it doesn't take much and that's the thing is like at this point like there's no going back my ankles are not going to be fi- heck not, they're not going to be fixed they're not going to be healed this isn't a lack of pt issue this is a structural <laughs> integrity issue that i will have for the rest of my life so it's like if i don't wear these ankle braces it's over before <laughs> it's i even over. hit the first mile and at i know this because know i've literally sprained my ankle in the first mile many times oh my gosh on routes that i know so it's yeah. like oh, forget it you're smarter. I mean, smarter, not harder, right? Or you're just at least like setting yourself up to win, right? Like for me right now, like will getting on trails be beneficial for Boston? Absolutely. If I could stay upright, like I have an athlete who's running Boston and she just crushed a 50, um, a 50 K in Moab. And she came in like 13th overall. And I'm like, girl, you're going to fly in right. at Boston. Um, but all the athletes are doing a lot of hill repeats. We're doing tempos on hills. We're doing hill strides up and down the hill to prepare the quads, um, lower leg strength too. So it's going to be a spicy training cycle for all of us. That is really exciting. All right. If someone wants yeah. to learn more about you and elevate, where should they go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, ElevateYourRunning.com. I'm also on Instagram at Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H, runs happy and at Elevate Your Running. There you go. And all that will be in the show notes. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Matt. It was great chatting with you. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. I should have mentioned this in the intro, but over on Relay, go check out Relay at, at patreon.com forward slash Relay. We're going to be kicking off three to four months of Boston Marathon content. We are so excited about this because we put out a pretty good amount of content before the California International Marathon and 
man, did people really love it. So we're going to be putting out like 12 to 15 pieces about Boston, all sorts of different pieces from training to racing to stories to in everything in between, frankly. And just the whole team is going to be part of it. And if you haven't checked out Relay, go check that out. I mean, it's just some of the best stuff by some of the best people in running. And I'm just so grateful to be part of just such an amazing group of folks. So go check that out at patreon.com forward slash relay also big shout out to lagoon for sponsoring this podcast thank you the listeners i really appreciate you so have a great day and happy running